Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Talking Twilight Zone. Meanwhile, in another dimension, a group of dogs get together to sing a familiar song. that Robert I love the singing Christmas dogs <laughs> that's why we're going to the dogs this holiday oh I love them I always love them they're, they're the best well howdy folks my name's Lynn I'm your host for Talking Twilight Zone along with my terrific co-hosts Bobby Robert and Dave hello guys Merry Christmas oh ho ho oh ho 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 hey you had Dave. your eight day holiday there Bobby so that's right that's right <laughs> Oh, when are you going to stay in that green bean casserole? I'd love to have Oh, that. isn't that good? Yeah, that's very good. My, my wife's not too crazy about it, but I usually get some. So. Oh, she doesn't like the green bean casserole? Mm-mm. Oh, well, she likes corn. That's her vegetable there. Yeah, I like that too. Sure. Well, it's three days before Christmas, and I hope everyone's finished their shopping and wrapping. And all and through the house. And all through the house, house all that other sure. craziness <laughs> that goes along with the holiday. Yeah. And I hope everyone's going to have a terrific day no matter where they spend it. Sounds like Dave is going to have a wonderful Christmas dinner, and he made me hungry right before we got the show started. And uh, I'm thinking We're of going to have that Christmas goose, huh, Dave? Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of flying over to England. Out and get it. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of flying over to England and joining him for dinner. It sounded so good. My God, he's got his turkey and a ham and a, he's got yeah. everything, all the goodies that go along with it. But I hope everyone eats lots and lots of goodies because you know, face it, all the holidays are all the holidays are all about eating lots and lots of goodies. So just eat and eat and worry about dieting later down the road because that's what it's all about. 
eat, drink, and be merry. So with that, I'm just going to say today we're discussing one of the more lackluster episodes, and that's according to the opinions of many people. Of course, there are other people who found it to be a terrific episode. And either way, we'll get into our opinions of it after Robert provides us with the opening clip. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through. But I still have one wish to make. A special one for you. Merry Christmas, darling. We're apart, that's true. But I can dream, and in my dreams, I'm Christmasing with you. And now, Mr. Serling. Missing one frightened little girl. Name Bettina Miller. Description six years of age, average height and build. Light brown hair, quite pretty. Last seen being tucked in bed by her mother a few hours ago. Last heard, aye, there's the rub, as Hamlet put it. For Bettina Miller can be heard quite clearly, despite the rather curious fact that she can't be seen at all. Present location? Let's say for the moment, in the Twilight Zone. I wish I were with you. Sterling had such a sexy voice. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, with that. Uh, ah, that's the rub, as old Hamlet mm, would say. And, and just the way he, <laughs> he, he just closed that, in the twilight zone, with that, oh, anyway. Uh, oh, shame he said. Oh, well. Uh, I talk Chris, to you that way every night, and you don't get that excited. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You do, yes. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Chris and Ruth Miller, they're awakened by the distant uh, crying of their little girl, Tina. And she keeps calling out to them. So Chris, her father, he slowly gets up to see what the trouble is. And their dog, Mac, he begins barking from the backyard. So Chris goes into Tina's room and finds the bed empty. But he can still hear her calling for them. And Tina asks where he is. And he says, I'm here. Where are you? And the dog keeps barking at the back porch. So Chris Chris, uh, crouches down next to the bed and he's... Uh, trying to talk Tina out from under it. And he's saying, you know, come on, did you fall down? Come on now, grab my hand. And, you know, he thinks she's hiding under there, but he looks. then he finally looks under the bed, and there's nothing there, which I would have figured he would have looked under the bed first to see if she was there. But anyway, he, he looks in there, and, and there's nothing there. And he can still hear Tina with this strange echo effect, and she can hear him but neither of them can see each other. So he explains to his wife, Ruth, that even though they can hear her, that she's no longer with them. And so naturally, you know, mom, she gets very, very hysterical. And of course, she gets hysterical throughout the entire episode. But then uh, now Mac, the dog, he's barking like crazy incessantly. And Chris finally figures out that he's going to call his 
friend who is a physicist, his friend Bill. He's going to call him for help. And uh, after he does that, he opens the door and he lets Mac into the house, the dog. And the dog runs into Tina's room and they watch him go under the bed. So they start trying to call Mac back, but they realize that he too has disappeared into wherever, whatever dimension Tina's in. So they can hear the dog barking with the echo now, and they can still hear Tina's voice. So Bill comes over. He examines the wall behind the bed. He taps the wall, and he finally finds this invisible portal to another dimension. And he explains it by saying that sometimes lines in our three dimensions end parallel with rather than perpendicular to the fourth dimension. Oh, okay. So anyway, the adults try to call Mac to guide Tina back into the, you know, out of the dimension, I guess, into back into her bedroom. But they, the attempts fail because Mac, Mac's trying, but he can't get her back. So finally, Chris, even though Bill tells him not to do it, he reaches into the portal and he falls into the other dimension. And Chris lands in this hazy, foggy, abstract place where space and shapes are distorted. They're turning upside down and sideways. And when Chris calls the bill, his voice is also echoes, echoing now. So Chris sees Tina and Mac, and he tries to call them toward him. And since he's standing right near the portal, you know, he figures that's not going to be a problem. And on the other side, he hears Bill's voice telling him to hurry up, hurry up, Chris, hurry up. So finally, as Tina and Mac close in on him, gra- Bill grabs them, and he pulls them back into the bedroom. And the hysterical mother takes the girl into another room. And then Bill explains to Chris that he was actually only halfway inside the wall, despite the fact that Chris thought he was fully inside the new dimension. Bill was, in fact, holding on to Chris the entire time. He was telling Chris to hurry because the portal was closing the whole time he was in there. It just kept closing up. And if Chris had remained there for any longer than maybe a few more seconds before he came out, the bottom half of his body would have been in the room with the top half in the other dimension. <laughs> It's just such a funny image to me. And so as Bill puts it to Chris. It's hysterical. It's really so funny. And as Bill puts it to Chris, another few seconds and half of you would have been here and the other half. What happened? I pulled you out. How could you see me? Half of you were still here. You mean to say you had hold of me all this time? That's right. Oh, Bill. No, I didn't even feel you. Say, listen, why didn't you want me to reach in there? And how come I kept telling you to hurry? Yeah. That's why. It was closing up all the time you were in there. Another few seconds and half of you would have been here and the other half... And that he stops there and he knocks on he the wall. He's only been half the man he was before. <laughs> half the man he was. And he knocks on the wall and the wall is solid. Oh, that would have been quite a conversation piece in Tina's bedroom. What's that? Oh, that's just my daddy's butt sticking out of the wall. The rest of them's in another dimension. <laughs> I just think that the whole idea of that is just, I find it funny. But I, I don't know. I, I wish I had a dollar every time I yawn during this episode because it's a snoozer if there ever was one. And, and Robert, you were absolutely right in your original review when you said that the first 19 minutes are boring. I mean, that's an understatement. This is a long, drawn-out load of drivel. 
First of all, well, whoever... you guys had that disagreement with me because I said it was pretty much in comparison to five characters in search of an exit, where I had in my review split it up again like it did in that one. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You did. You did. Yeah. You thought the first few minutes, the the beginning was more boring than the end, didn't you? Mm-hmm. In five characters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's. I I mean, the, for me, the whole episode was just. I don't know. It's just really strange. Uh, first of all, who ever heard of a child falling out of a bed and rolling into the wall behind her bed? I mean, come on. I've, I've fallen out of bed as a child. As a matter of fact, I even fell out of bed a couple times as an adult. I just fell to the floor. I landed there, and I stayed there until I either got up or my mom came in and picked me up when I was a child. You know, I mean, you fall, and you go thud, and you fall on the floor. If you roll at all, you might roll over once. I don't unless you are your your bedroom is on an incline and you're you're like laying on a hill. I don't see how you fall out of bed and go roll 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 into a wall. But what's even stupider in this episode is that they're saying she fell out of bed, turned and rolled back into her wall, into the back wall. Come on, come on! You fell, turned and rolled in the back wall, please. It's at the Absolutely no sense at all. If they were going to have a roll anywhere, it should have been into the wall beside the bed, not behind it. So anyway, that's that's my rant about that. But you and know, that did bring and, a great conversation on the board about that too. By the way, it, isn't that insane? I mean, we're falling out of bed, turning a ninety degree angle, and then and then rolling backwards. Please, you know. But it, it just made no sense. And and how convenient was it that these people just happened to have a best friend who's a physicist capable of coming up with the answer to the little girl's whereabouts. Boy, we should all have a physicist when we need them, you know? And, of course, all the scientific ramblings about the fourth dimension, they were were enough to bore a dead man to death. Back in the death, I guess. He was basically info dumb. All right, now let's just see how big this thing is. Bill, I just don't understand. Understand it. third dimension is just a step below the fourth, Chris. It's a, it's a big step, granted, but it's just one step. Now, every point in our space is part of a perpendicular line in the fourth dimension. So? So, although all the lines forming the fourth dimension are perpendicular to every point in the third they're not necessarily parallel to us but if enough of the lines are parallel in both dimensions in a given area it might create an opening has this opening always been here it might have been I doubt it, though. Believe me, I'm no expert on this. Who is? But I suspect that junctures between dimensions are 
freaks of nature that happen. Who knows how often? Rarely, I'd say. Exactly, and and then when we see the inside of the wall into this, uh, or inside of the wall into this uh, so-called fourth dimension, it looks like something a person would see if they were tripping on, on some hallucinatory drugs, some LSD or something back in in the uh, 60s and 70s. You That's know, what Salvador Dali got his ideas for his paintings from L yeah. from right from LSD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you got you know these smoke and these rotating scenes, and I always figured, you know, I warn people, don't watch this episode if you have a headache because it'll only make it worse. And the special effects they were dumb. And then, once again, we know the budget for for Twilight Zone was very limited because of the cheap, you know, jerks over at, at CBS. So I suppose we have to be forgiving with the effects. But you know, many many of the episodes special effects suffered due to the budgetary restrictions. But and also, um, Bobby, in his original review, uh, you know, he mentioned the over-the-top over acting. And that's mostly, to me, that's mostly on the part of Sarah Marshall. She played the mother, the historical mother. I mean, her screeching, panicky performance was totally overdone. It added just a totally annoying aspect to the episode. I mean, I understand. Okay, her child's inside the wall. But the shrieking and the carrying on as she did wasn't helping it matters very much especially since the daughter could hear her. So you think she'd want to stay calm since her daughter could hear her. But, you know, uh, she was just, she was nuts. But, and, oh, and, uh, well, I want to shove a sock in her mouth. But but the other thing that drove me crazy, uh, the child's supposed to be six years old. And she sounded like a much older child. And why is that? Because they hired an adult to do the voiceover for Tina. And not, it wasn't a very convincing job of dubbing. It, it really sounded terrible terrible. Now, why couldn't they just use a six-year-old little girl, or the girl who played the part? Uh, the dialogue consists of, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, where are you? Well, are you telling me a six-year-old? I mean, look, they have Billy, Billy Moomy and all these other kid actors doing these, these, uh, episodes, these roles in, in the Twilight Zone episodes. You couldn't get a six-year-old girl to, to yell out the dialogue that was, that was necessary for this episode. You have to hire an adult what the heck was I don't know what that was all about. I mean, it's not a terribly challenging. I remember, role. June Foray did the voice of Talking Tina. So. Yeah, that's right. An adult did that, and and plus, uh, in Eye of the Beholder, instead of using Donna Douglas, they had to use a, a different person. I mean, why can't you just? I don't. I don't it doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, oh, and of course, the one person I do like is Charles Sadie. Uh, he also appeared in in season one episode. Um, what was it? And when the sky was open, that's right. And when the sky was open, he was in that episode. Now, I, I like him. I think he's a good actor. And he also went on to um, take over Rod Stone's job as the off-screen narrator in the 1980s remake of the series. So He also he, did a whole season of Wawa West, too. Um, while I think uh, they said Ross Martin was sick, but I think it was more of a contract dispute. So oh, he did, did he really? Now, Wawa that West. I did not yeah. know. Oh, no yeah. kidding. He played an agent. He kind of had a similar um, theme as um, Ross Martin did on hmm. the series. But, I didn't know yeah. that. I like the I like Charles Sadman. 
And I, I've, you know, I have nothing against him. As a matter of fact, he was the only thing in this episode I, I actually liked. Uh, as far as, uh, I mean, the acting was terrible, but Charles Sadman, he was fine. So, and, and the episode did have a pretty decent musical score. And I liked the scene in, uh, where uh, Charles Sadman's character, um, Bill, he puts his hand through the wall, right through the wall. That was a cool effect. But other than that, um, this is an episode really in the, in the series that I could easily do without, and I would never miss it. It's not one of the most horrible, but it's pretty bad. It only gets a one rating for me, just one rating for me. So I'm turning that over to you, Robert. I don't want a lot for Christmas. few things in the the crack on the wall in the 11th hour yeah i very much focused a little bit on that that this would have been a great doctor who um, episode if we had the doctor instead of bill in this when i uh, did my review i pretty much said that um, it tried to turn this into a mystery where's tina gone and and all that stuff and then the trying to hunt for i'm surprised it didn't lift the ashtrays yeah. up or the uh, and there was, the, like that. The, there was the other story where the boy ended up in a little doll's house in his bedroom. You know, they went to the... I'm trying to remember the name of the episode now, but... Night uh, Terror. Night Terror, yeah. yeah. And he gets trapped in that. Yeah, that was a uh, pretty good doctor. That was Amy and Rory and, and the whole dollhouse situation with that one, yeah. And that's why I said this. That's why I mentioned about Doctor Who because it's so much. This story reminded me of something that would have would have been in you know Steve Moffat or uh, Russell T Davies' um, way of setting something like this up. But unfortunately, uh, we got what we got with this. And again, I had to compare this with um, Five Characters in Search of an Exit. Where here we go again. We get 19 minutes of boring crap, and then the uh, 
other five at the end was great. I mean, where the scene where, you know, he fought, Chris falls through the um, wall and you see the whole dimension there and them calling for her to finally, you know, getting her and pulling her out. And then you get the conclusion of why there was such a urgency at the end. And that part I did like, you know, is the same way with the fight breakers and search exit where they're all pulling together and, and the, um, it was a lieutenant or general, um, they put the rope up there and he's climbing out the, um, um, cylinder and the major, the ma- he was a major. Yeah. The major. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah I, I like that part. It, it, yeah. I, when he's trying to get it, the sword over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just this, all this walking around searching everything. Like I was saying to Dave here, you know, like a cartoon thing, you look underneath the, you know, where they're hunting for somebody missing. They look under the ashtray or, or behind the refrigerator or underneath a rug or something like that. It was getting close to being silly. And as you mentioned, Lynn, yeah, it was very much a budgetary episode. I mean, Doctor Who had budgetary episodes as well, but I think they were a little more better than um, what we were presented with this one. Um, as I was saying, um, this probably could have been a an idea for Steven Spielberg when he um, did the movie Portageist. Maybe he was thinking about something like this. And um, well, you that, remember uh, the scene at the end of Poltergeist when the father does grab the little girl and yep. pulls her out. It's the father and mother. Gra- yes, yeah, the mother grabs the little girl and they fall down from the ceiling into the bathtub or something. Yeah, and it had that crap, ecky, whatever that stuff All that crap, all, yeah, that slime yeah. all over them. And she's got her yep. in her arms, they fall down. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's almost similar to that, yeah, to, to him falling, coming out of the wall. I, I think uh, I would have loved the ending if he, had, if he had grabbed the little girl, thrown her back into the bedroom, thrown the dog back in the bedroom, and then he got stuck in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, happy lady. I, well, then the people said, now you know how it ends. They said they never found nothing because I guess the dimension closed up and it was just the wall again. Well, they couldn't deny that there was something there if yeah. half his ass was sticking out. I would agree with <laughs> I would have loved it. <laughs> to me, that would have been the, the best ending. Oh, well, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. And you, th- you think, too, how does time go? I-, I think this was one of the things that fascinated me, too. Was it an equal amount of time in that dimension? Or is... Um... That, that would have been good, Robert. I think it would have been good if the girl came out and she was like 14 years old right. when she came out or something. Oh, that would have that really been, been brilliant. Cool. That would have been cool, yeah. It very much ties <laughs> to... And say, where's the dog? Well, that, what do you think I lived on? <laughs> oh, got to have the dog. Got to gotta save the dog. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, they always do that in disaster movies, don't they? And kill as many people yeah. as you want as long as the mummy animal escapes. Got to leave... Got to save the animals. How was the people? Got to save them animals. I was saying that this is kind of a connection with um, Fringe going on right now. There was an episode um, in the fifth season where um, Walter goes into a what they call a pocket universe and he's in this um, apartment building and he's trying to retrieve something and he slips into this pocket universe which um, a guy um, evidently fell in and he thought it was only like five years and it turned out to be 20 years. Olivia. Peter. 
Wait there. Walter? You know you're not supposed to leave the lab alone. I'm so sorry. I don't understand. All I thought about was retrieving what was on that tape. I couldn't think about anything else. All I cared about was finding the next piece of the plan. Is that Donald, Walter? No, that's collateral damage. That's Cecil. He is completely irrelevant to the plan. So what's he doing here? He ended up here through a series of unfortunate events. He was blown here by an explosion. When? Twenty years ago, but for him it's only been days. Everything within this pocket wraps in on itself, including time. That's why we have to hurry and find whatever it is I hid here. Walter! There's more on the tape. You can't see it until you enter the pocket. It showed how time was different um, in that pocket universe as compared to our universe. So that would have been kind of interesting. But as I said, too, this would have been a great Doctor Who story. This um, Helen made the comment because um, when I uh, made my review and then she re- uh, I said it would be a great David Tennant episode with the 10th Doctor because I could see you know, Tennant doing this, but you know, as Dave mentioned about the eleventh hour with the um, Love Doctor, um, she mentioned about the Matt Smith Doctor. It would have been a good one on that. But I, it, just the nuance and the way that the tenth Doctor reacts, I think. Well, for example, you know, the Doctor would knock up. He would, you know, hear the TARDIS in the background. He knock on the door. He says, "His name's John Smith." And then Chris would ask, "Who are you?" He says, "Well, I'm walking by and I heard a little girl crying out." And then Chris would say, that's my daughter, Tina. She has disappeared, and my wife and I are looking for her. And then the doctor would say, well, may I come in and help search for her? Pulls out a sonic screwdriver and said, I might be, you know, Chris says, sure, come on in. And then instead of having Bill, um, we insert the doctor in Bill's role. And instead of the fourth dimension, have the doctor say, as he usually says, it's a void between our world and a parallel world or, you know, some, some kind of thing, you know, he would have kind of a scientific um, you know, jigamarole thing to go with what he would say. But I think it would have been a better story with him in it. And it would have been so much better if we had seen an alien in that dimension guiding Tina and the dog back to safely, you know, bring her back safely instead of the father. I mean, the father would still fall in, and then we see an alien of, of that dimension bringing Tina and the dog back to him. I think that would have been a little bit more interesting. I also brought up a couple of Star Trek episodes since Dave loves Star Trek, as I do, and we always mm-hmm. try to find something to compare. One is the alternative factor. I believe that is um, season one, episode 27, and then um, season three, episode 64, titled The Thorian Web. Scott to bridge. Bridge, Spock here. Are we slipping into interspace? Negative. We are relatively stable at the moment. Why do you ask? I don't believe it. What is it, Mr. Scott? Mr. Scott! Mr. Spock, I've just seen Captain Kirk. He was standing there just as plain as we are. 
report to the bridge immediately. That sounds like a horror story. You suppose there's any truth in it? In critical moments, men sometimes see exactly what they wish to see. Do you suppose they're seeing Jim because they've lost confidence in you? I was merely stating a fact, Doctor. It's getting critical. There have been a number of assaults down on the Lord decks. Even Scotty's being affected. If Scotty goes under, that's the finish of whatever chance we have of getting the Enterprise out of here. Please leave that to me, Dr. McCoy. I realize that the crew are your prime concern. You can best serve them in your laboratory. I urge you to confine yourself to it until a remedy has been found. Spock! Must be this space is getting to me, too. I... I know it's nothing you've done, Spock. I... I'm sorry. I understand, Doctor. Where we have Captain Kirk in another dimension where, you know, he would appear and reappear. Um, he's kind of in a space suit thing, and then um, it was almost like, you know, he was part of another dimension. He would phase in and out in that episode. And, well, um, if you go to Star Trek, there was the um, there was the Next Generation story where Beverly Crusher gets you know into a a, a, a light you know where, where in this story the the wall is closing. Uh, it's uh, Wesley, uh, some Wesley's doing a, an experiment with a, a little bubble generator or something, and she's going about her, her daily life and. Suddenly, you know, there's not 460 people on the spaceship. There's only 200. There's only 100. And then there's only 12 decks instead of 24 decks. And it turns out that she's in a shrinking bubble um, universe, and they're trying to get to her. And she keeps seeing this light trying to come through the wall. And, sorry, spoiler warning, everyone. At the last minute, she she takes a leap of faith and dives through it. And she realizes that she's been in a little bubble universe. And if she hadn't jumped at that moment, it would have been closed around her, and that would have been the end of her. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to well, look up the uh, the title of that one. Well, the one episode that I was mentioning about Lazarus with um, the um, antimatter and our universe Lazarus going back and forth, that was kind of an interesting uh, parallel on that one where a spaceship crashed, and and this guy named Lazarus, he kind of is insane. But then I think Kirk goes over and he finds the original Lazarus, and he tells him uh, about this is you know antimatter, the anti-universe, and the other universe. <laughs> I was remembering about that. But anyway, I already mentioned about the Wild Wild West. He did um, film for Ross Martin. Um, I think it was for a whole season, uh, and then Ross Martin comes back again. I guess. They're saying he was sick during that time, but I'm thinking, like I was telling um, Lynn, it was probably a contract dispute, and they finally got it worked out. Yeah, I but didn't again, know that. Well, he was okay in that, going in for Ross Martin. Um, he, I don't think he had the flair as much as Martin did, but, um, I mean, he did okay as, as a fill-in. Um, again, I have to split my ratings to give a final rating. For the first 19 minutes, I give it a 1 out of 5. For the last 5 minutes, a 3 out of 5. So I make it a 2 out of 5. Okay. With that, I'll pass it over to Bobby. Should hold a quaint dance, we forgot. 
to talk about this thing. Um, <laughs> God almighty. Uh, you can make noises or something, you know. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, uh, you know, the problem with this episode is the same thing as a uh, problem with too many episodes of The Twilight Zone. That's, it's all set up. There's no story. It's just set up. Once you get past the fact that she went into the wall and got into another dimension, what is there left to do? It's all about getting her back out. Big deal. And you know, there's nothing original about this story. This is just uh, through the looking glass or Alice in Wonderland. Except Alice uh, met interesting characters, and she doesn't meet anybody. And so, you know, if you're going to get go through a mirror or you're going to go into another dimension, at least meet somebody there. That makes it more interesting. But it's just 25 minutes of uh, sticking your hand in a wall and trying to grab her back. So I didn't really get much of anything out of it. I can stay awake during it, but... Uh, it's really incredibly tedious. As for the business about dubbing children's voices, that's just so – I don't really think anybody does it anymore today. But it's just completely ridiculous because there have been plenty of child actors who are very good and certainly know how to speak, so they don't need to be spoken for. That's absurd. Um, the woman in it, the woman doing all the screeching, Sarah Marshall, uh, I have always disliked a great deal as an actress – and I'm at IMDb right now, and she's still around. She's going to be 80 years old in May. And, uh, she's had, and she's never had much of a career as an actress. In fact, in the past 17 years, she's only been in three movies in bit parts. But she's in one this year called Bad Blood, The Hunger. Um, I have no idea. I, don't, uh, I just have never liked her as an actress. So there's really nothing going on in this story, and it's it's predictable. I, uh, Lynn mentioned the business about falling out of bed and rolling into a wall. I don't, for the life of me, and I mentioned this to Lynn earlier today, I don't understand why I didn't just have the dog lead her into the, into the wall. It doesn't make any sense. Because if the dog is in the room, he's probably sniffing around, and he senses that something's not right. If, anything, if any living thing would uh, have the feeling that something changed, it would be an animal especially a dog, so maybe he would go in there and she would try to grab him and then she would fall in. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't really understand uh, writing the story that way. So that seems rather, rather bizarre to me. But um, it, just is a, it just is a very, very uh, tedious story. The only, thing, the only thing that keeps me awake during it, the only thing that grabs me a little bit, and that's very little, is the fact that when I was that age, when I was a kid, I was very bad about going to bed. I was really scared of the dark. So uh, I was, uh, you know, I never did anything like that, but I had to have lights on and I had to have a light in the hallway or something. I don't remember why, what I thought was coming to get me, but uh, I could be very, uh, very difficult to deal with when it came to going to bed and to uh, getting dark. So I can almost relate to that. But uh, I never, I never worried about uh, falling into a wall or anything. It just is a very, very boring. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, but it's just, uh, it's just not, uh, not very interesting in any way. And the acting is, uh, like I said in my review, over the top. Well, I can understand a woman being hysterical, 
if her child uh, disappeared somewhere. But you know that all that shrieking goes uh, doesn't go very far with me. I don't uh, I don't appreciate that. So it's just um, it's just a pity uh, that at Christmas we have such a lousy uh, episode to discuss. But uh, I'll I'll keep my uh, my rating as well. I gave it a one for the dog. Actually, the dog is mine. <laughs> but that's oh, about shit. it. I can't I can't give it anything else. I think, like I said, if she had, what what is the they can hear her and all. Is, I realize that the wall is closing, but you know that's not enough to be fearful about for me. I need to have somebody chasing her, or somebody somebody grabbing her from grabbing her leg and pulling her back. And if you don't get her out of there in a hurry. She's going to be there forever, but well, just the idea. Been, that huh? would have been like poltergeist. Remember poltergeist? The well, little yeah, girl, well, the monster. Well, that's a better story. Okay. The monster was keeping her from get, from coming back. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's a better. That's why that's a movie, and this is 25 minutes. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing. I'd, I'd like to say a whole lot about it, but I don't have anything to talk about. Really, it's just uh, it's just boring. I can stay awake during it, but uh, if I don't ever see it again, I won't miss it. I'll keep my rating of one for the doll. Dog was cute. That's about <laughs> it. All righty, Dave. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we're gonna stray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and comfort and joy. Okay, lots of things, and I think I'm, I'm glad that Robert brought up a lot of those things because that reminded me quite a bit. Uh, the Star Trek Next Generation episode I was trying to think of where Beverly Crusher is in this bubble universe is called Remember Me. And that has a similarity. In, and I suppose the thing I, w- I would say to Bobby, I think he's quite right. This is, uh, you know, it's, it's not really explored. But maybe it, it goaded people for later generations into doing things because there's no doubt about it that this, this idea has been developed and moved on. Um, the, it, it, as I said, uh, I mentioned before that uh, Beverly's in this sort of bubble universe. Uh, and there's another one, uh, Robert, the, it was called The Next Phased where Geordie and Roe are, um, you know, uh, still on the ship, but everybody thinks they're dead. And they've been transported into a different um, uh, dimension, but they're still on the ship. Amazingly enough, science fiction is marvellous, isn't it? Um, We have this marvellous thing where they can move between rooms and they can walk through doors, but they don't fall through decks, you know, into outer space. So it's very convenient. Your feet don't fall through the floor, but you can walk through walls. Um, but of course, that's um, narrative license, I suppose. Um, yeah, there was lots of things in Doctor Who as well. I mean, um, uh, let me see if I can play a little bit. Must be out of a scary crack in your wall. <laughs> and uh, of course, you're not. You're not scared of anything. Box falls out of the sky. Man falls out of a box. Man eats fish custard. Yeah, and uh, one last clip from Doctor Who. You know when grown-ups tell you everything's going to be fine and you think they're probably lying to make you feel better? Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. And that's where he goes to the girl who's got this crack in her wall. And, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah uh, something, uh, I mean, Lynn, I'm not uh, criticising what you said because you're, 
you're usually on the money. But um, when you said it's so unbelievable about a kid rolling under the bed and disappearing, apparently from the the, the writer, the Richard Matheson, who saw a lot of these stories, he based it on a real thing. That yeah, um, he said he based it on on one of his kids. Yeah, yeah. this But see, it wasn't so much the the falling out of bed and rolling a little bit. What what bothered me was rolling out, falling out of bed. And you you saw that her bed was facing against, uh, facing forward from the back wall. So rolling, right. falling out of bed and rolling into the back wall is the part I didn't I didn't go for. You right. don't fall out of bed, turn and roll into the back. I mean that's you unless there's an earthquake. Unless you're in an earthquake, you're not going to fall out of bed, turn and roll into the back wall. That was the part right. I didn't get. <clears throat> I, I didn't get that. And the other thing you said uh, is, um, yeah, it's not very believable, is it? They just happen to have a, a friend that's a physicist. Well, right. on the Cult of the Collective, we have a NASA scientist on our group. So, <laughs> you know, I could call the NASA scientist if I had an issue. So, I mean, those sort of weird Kevin Bacon uh, connections do exist in the world. Um, six, six uh, like flat liners. Right? Exactly, yeah. Um, just for those people, I'm sure this has all been on the on the Yahoo groups, but just for the sake of the audio, um, this is, of course, Season 3, Episode 91, aired uh, March 16th, and 1962. Um, and um, the other thing that reminded me a little bit about, Robert, was um, Harry Potter and the, um, you know, with um, the, the way they get to Hogwarts on the station. Is it oh, going platform? through the train wall? Yeah. Yeah, platform nine and three quarters or something, and they have to run. Now, in the in the second story, I think it's the uh, Chamber of Secrets, um, dump, uh, the, uh, the little creature thinks that Harry Potter is in danger if he goes back to Hogwarts, so he Derby, tries to stop yeah. him going. Dobby. Do, do, Dobby, that's it. And as... as um, they're trying to go, or the first members of the family go through it, and then uh, they try to get through it, and suddenly the wall becomes solid again. So, you know, that reminded me of the fact that they, you know, they would run through the wall, and then it suddenly became solid. So, what I would agree with Robert is, I mean, um, this is basically, you know, you read the first page, you read the last page, and all the bit in the middle is just uh, faffing about and spending 20 minutes because we've got to fill the time up. Um, but I think the concept really deserved a better um, play out. Um, I, I, I mean, that's one of the things with these shorts. I mean, it's a one-page synopsis, isn't it? When all's said and done, I mean, you could tell it almost as a, you know, a, a, you know, a one-minute stand-up joke. Um, and I, I just think it wasn't substantial enough to actually carry an episode, and that's the failing of it. Um, and Really, I mean, I suppose, you know, the time constraints, how quickly did they churn these things out and so on. Uh, but it really was the nub of a, a pretty good idea, I think, especially in going back to 1962, when this still had sort of a, a little bit of a novelty value, you know, that there were, you know, parallel worlds just beyond us and uh, almost alongside our world. I mean, it, it's now... a a fairly common trope of science fiction and fantasy, but here uh, it was still fairly fresh, and uh, and basically they threw the idea away on on something that could have been uh, a lot more. Um, it, it, and I think Robert picked up on one 
the, it, it would have been nice if there'd been a time difference between, you know, it's not just a, a, a different dimension. And, and by the way, there's another one, Robert, uh, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't mention. Um, isn't there one in Buffy where where she comes back and um, there's this there's this like little pond or lake or whatever, and they fall through it and they're, they're using the kids as slaves. And they've only disappeared a week. Yep. But in actual fact, they've been slaving down there for five or six years because of the time difference. Uh, and the other one where Angel, he, Angel, uh, when Buffy um, has to close the, um, you know, the, the portal by thrusting a, you know, a sword through Angel. And Angel's away for like a season and a half. But he says he's yeah, spent the whole Angel years. A jellic type thing yeah. going on, yeah. Yeah, so I I think this idea and 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 uh, well another one from Star Trek is that uh, in a blink of an eye, isn't it? I think we've mentioned that before, where the um, the spaceships in orbit and they see this very um, basic civilization, you know, as they're looking down on the planet, and almost before their eyes, you know, cities are being built, because what takes seems to be only hours for the spaceship. Um, these people, this spaceship is like a, a static object in the sky and it's been there for hundreds of years, hundreds of generations and they use that to inspire them to, there's something out there and again, that's um, uh, this time difference. So, what I'm going to say is, uh, I'm going to upset, but I'm going to say for the actual concept of the show, it, it really should be something like a three or a four, but in its execution... I absolutely agree. It's maybe one, one and a half. So yeah. if I can yeah. have double dibs on it like that. I agree. <clears throat> I agree. That's exactly how I would <clears throat> I would have broken up too. Yeah, the execution, the idea, <clears throat> the concept for the story I think was excellent. But the way they presented it was terrible. Yeah, by the way, Dave, I've been re-watching um, Angel Season 5. And that, remember that's the one with... Um, Spike comes back through the ambulance, which is the connection oh. to um, season seven with Buffy. Right. Yes. And where he phases in and out as well, and he describes it as a hell. And then we kind of meet a Jack the Ripper character, I think, in the uh, fourth or fifth episode or something like that, where um, um, they try to bring Spike, uh, make him corporeal. So yeah, yeah. watching that one. Yeah, I mean, there's it, no doubt about it that. I mean, and I think this is why, uh, and Robert quite rightly, uh, sorry, yeah, um, well, but everybody on the show says this is a seminal TV series, and sometimes um, it, it influence, its influence is greater than some of the individual episodes, uh, and quite frankly, as Bobby says, you know, quite a lot of the episodes don't stand up to examination, but right. it's still inspired the next generation of, you know, directors, writers, and so on. And uh, and maybe they're doing what we did. You think, God, that could have been so good. If I ever get in that, that job, I will do it. And, and then and they go various, and they run with yeah. it. Yeah, they take yeah. the idea and they run with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's how you get movies like Poltergeist and things like that. Yeah, absolutely right. I have one more thing to say about Sarah Marshall because uh, people mentioned Star Trek. She was in a famous Star Trek episode called The Deadly Years where everybody oh, was yeah. in that one. Yeah, she was in that one. 
Apparently she didn't know where they were getting old. Yeah. yeah, everybody gets old, yeah. Right. She, I, I assume she's still alive? She's 80. She'll be 80 in May. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, British, you, is she? Yeah, from England. Yeah, she lives in England, yeah. And, and you said that she has a movie coming up? Yeah, she like, has a bit part in a movie in 2012. Yeah, that was nice. Oh, cool. I hope she's not going to be screeching in it or anything. It's called Bad... <laughs> bad Bad blood, blood, the hunger. Yeah, that's what it's called. That's right. Mm. Awesome. She's a See, Dave, you should find out where blood. she lives. You should find out where she lives at, and you can do an interview with her. <laughs> there you go, Dave. There's a project for you. <laughs> she's been in a lot of stuff. In she's certainly been in stuff. She's been in the Fugitive. Fugitive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seven, oh, yeah. Sunset Strip. Perry Mason. Yes, she was in the fugitive. There you go. <clears throat> so, Dave, what is your final um, rating? Since you split it up, what would you give it over, like Dave, like Robert what? did? Let's give it a two. Okay, a two, a two, a one, and a one. That's that's good. Cool. Two ones, two twos. Yeah, cool. I agree with Dave. The concept is excellent. It's just the uh, way they executed was terrible. I agree with that, too. I agree with that, too. I think it was a good concept. But I think it was poorly executed, and uh, for that reason, I can't give it more than a one because I thought Sarah Sarah Marshall just drove me crazy. That screaming. If your child, disappear, if your child disappeared into the wall, wouldn't mm-hmm. you call the fire department and tell them to knock the goddamn wall down instead of? A no, you would physicist? call your local physicist. Come on. <laughs> well, if they knocked the wall down, then you collapse the universe, and then she'd be stuck there in the universe, Bobby. Yeah, but you don't know what's going on. All that shit, except she's in the wall. Yeah, well, that would be common sense. You call the cops, you call the fire department, you call somebody. You know, you call your local physicist. Call Ghostbusters. I mean, it's... Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Yeah. So, call it, Bill it's, Murray. Yeah. Call Bill Murray. It's, it's, call it's, Peter Beckman to come and help yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just... I mean, it, it's crazy. I, I, and, and the thing with the dubbing of the voice, that, that totally, really... Put it, put the rating down for me, because there was absolutely no reason why they couldn't just get a little girl to say, "Mommy, mommy, daddy, dad." Why do you have to hire an adult to do that? Uh, 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 one little thing. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one little thing. Um, the the chap who did the music gets a lot of credit in this. I think his credits come up uh, quite early. Uh, Bernard Herman. But um, yeah. looking at uh, his Wikipedia page, which I put the link in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a picture of himself with his dog called Twee, is it? T-W-I. I wonder if they used his dog for the sound oh, effects really? of the dog. Oh. I'm not saying they did. I'm just wondering whether they did. Maybe they but if did. But if you look at that link, uh, his picture that he has on, his, on the wiki page is him with his favourite dog. So oh. I wonder if they sampled his dog to be the dog in the thing. And that was a cute dog, yeah. That's why I gave it a one for the dog, because the dog was adorable. And that was a very good, that I, like I said in my review, that was a good musical score. <clears throat> I did like the I did like the musical score. It was very well done. Bernard Herrmann is very good with, with that. So, yeah. I think, uh, I think overall, you know, uh, between, we've got ones and twos, good musical score, um, you know, cute dog, but not one of the best episodes. So, you know, we'll leave it at that. And uh, What's some that, people. Lassie? Timmy fell down the well. Ruff, ruff, follow me, follow me. 
fresh. Follow me. <laughs> Good old Leslie. So anyway, two weeks from now, which will be January 5th, I believe. Robert, you always check on those things for me. Am I correct? Uh, Saturday, January 5th. 14 days from now. I count the 5th. Yep. Tuesday is the 1st. Awesome. So, uh, right, so Saturday, January 5th, we are going to be doing, but yes, Dave Person or Persons Unknown. Thank you. And uh, starring Richard Long, who is... um, is in two or three uh, Twilight Zone episodes. And uh, I, I like Richard Long, good actor. Um, so that one uh, we will be discussing in two weeks after Christmas, after New Year's. And, oh, and please, everyone, have a very happy and healthy New Year and a safe New Year and have a great Christmas. And I'll be thinking of then, everyone. Yes? Let me go ahead and play that for the next time because sure. luckily some of the stuff I downloaded has these next time clips on the end of the show. Oh, cool, it's yeah. kind of nice. Mm-hmm. So I'll go ahead and do that. Yeah. Rod Serling, creator of The Twilight Zone, will tell you about next week's story after this message. And now, Mr. Serling. Next week, we again borrow from the considerable talents of Charles Beaumont, and we take a fast trot on the wild side. Picture, if you will, a man who wakes up in a strange world, knows everyone, knows every place, feels very much at home. The strangeness comes from the fact that no one knows him. Try this one for size on the next Twilight Zone. It's called Person or Persons Unknown. And that's that. Yeah. He does go, he does go into a commercial for A commercial for his cigarettes, right? Yeah. I cut that out. uh, We saw that last night when we rewatched this episode. And he goes, oh, yes. Well, we love, I love the full flavor of (laughs) the full flavor of Chesterfield. It's not a habit. It's just. (laughs) That's right. It's just a little diversion into my heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, well, everybody have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful new year. And I'll be thinking of you. And uh, Dave, enjoy that wonderful dinner. And, and we might just fly over there and join you. If you get, if you get a knock on your door, well, you'll know it's I've certainly got enough food for it. <laughs> I know. I know. And if you hear a strange knock on your door and people panting outside, you'll know it's us. <laughs> 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 so have a great holiday, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Happy holidays. And Happy on that holidays. note, we'll go out on this. What? happening with Star Trek and how do they celebrate theirs with a song Klingon style (laughs) meanwhile back at the Klingon homeworld they prepare to celebrate the holidays A Merry Christmas, we warf you a Merry Christmas, we warf you a Merry Christmas, and a Kapla New Year. <laughs> oh, bring us some rocket blood pie, oh, bring us some rocket blood pie, oh, bring us some rocket blood pie, and a side of fresh gawk. <laughs> gawk is always best when served live. We'll all go before the council. We'll all go before the council. We'll all go before the council. And 
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.